making sure that um, Southern blacks and, and, you know, all Americans had the right to vote. I mean, those are oh two, gosh, yeah. two are, those are like the, the bedrocks of, you know, um, of our democracy. Mm-hmm. I think if you mm-hmm. can't get an education and you can't vote, then whoa. Right. And that was Patricia Williams Dockery, writer of Septima. Septima enjoyed a sold-out run last spring and a real testament when a bunch of great artists come together. Sharon Gracie was the director of that and just an amazing piece that celebrates the dynamic life of Septima P. Clark, civil rights leader. That show will be touring all throughout February throughout South Carolina and then will culminate in a presentation of five performances in Charleston at the Cannon Street Art Center that will run February 28th through March 2nd, so be sure to check it out. You've got one last week to see the Lehman Trilogy. Be sure to check it out before it's gone forever. Enjoy the conversation. Joining me on it is Joy Vandervoort Cobb, an amazing writer, director, activist, and so lucky she is also a core member. Enjoy the conversation. certainly want to talk a lot about the play, but let's start about like where you grew up. Like let's talk a little bit about, you know, how you came to writing and where you came from. Sure. So um, I was born and raised on the south side of Chicago, um, the youngest by about 13 years. So grew up around what we would say were old people, old folks <laughs> back then. But now um, I think that a lot of people are having children later. And so I would not consider them being old parents. But because I was around old folks so much, uh, you know, I just I talked early, read early, um, was the center of my parents and their friends, you know, worlds and my my siblings. Um, And so language was, you know, just important and a big part of my life. And uh, my parents haven't been, you know, part of the Great Migration, um, former sharecroppers. Education was really important, you know, to them. And so they put me in private school and private schools. And so all of my teachers, like um, the teachers that Septima Clark encountered um, at Avery were super invested in uh, me being, you know, whatever I wanted to be. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, how I got to be having the gift of gab, if you will, <laughs> and maybe having the ear for dialogue. I think I have the ear for dialogue. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's such a, that's such an interesting, it's such an important theme in the work mm-hmm. and like not knowing that yet to know how, how much education plays a part. When you started to get into the play and into that part, how much relating is not necessarily a word, but how did that find your way into the piece? Yeah. Well, um, there's one, there's one, um, um, line that the Septima and the children say in uh, the play, which is that um, education um, plus liberation equals self-determination. And um, having had uh, teachers, black teachers at St. Sabina, which is a small um, Catholic school on the South side, most of my teachers were either white older nuns or young black teachers who had gone to HBCUs. And so they were very much about black power and about, you know, African centeredness. And so they were always, 
you know, telling us that, you know, if you read well and, you know, you could tell stories, you could be whatever you want to be and, you know, go after your dreams. So um, that was really important. That, that's been a part of my story. Mm-hmm. And then having read the classic slave narratives, I, you know, know that um, formerly enslaved people really wanted to learn to read and write so that they could, of course, forge their manumission papers, but also so that they could tell their own stories. And I saw that in, you know, what Septima's dad, Peter Poinsett, uh, Porsche Poinsett wanted for his kids, even though he never learned to read and write. And certainly what her mother wanted was for her children to be educated so that they could be self-determined so that. So um, to to bring your question, to bring my answer around, um, I saw that piece. I saw part of what um, I had been reared to believe and what my teachers and my my mother for sure, you know, um, you know, poured into me was that the more education you get, um, you know, the sky was the limit. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, that resonated with me, the fact that she was such a dynamic educator, you know, like when you think about the educators who inspired you growing up, they're the ones who, you know, either they, they, you know, they told you a great story or they, you know, they touched you in a certain way. Um, and the way that Septima taught and the, what she wanted to impart to her students and the fact that she knew that they had agency in the learning process, um, all of, you know, that really resonated with me. And, uh, I try to impart that to my students and convey that, you know, education is a two way street. It's not just me telling them, but there's transference of knowledge between, you know, student to teacher, student to student. And of course, you know, teacher to student. So, yeah, I used to tell my students all the time, I said, this is a circular learning place, mm-hmm. right? It's I'm going to pour in, you're going to pour in, we're going to yeah. just keep doing that together. Um, Patricia, for those listening who don't know you, uh, you started with South Side of Chicago and the way you were raised um, while you were in Catholic school, but there's more that needs to be said. So would you say it? <laughs> sure. So, um, so I, um, I did go to, um, I got my undergraduate degree at Fisk University. And of course, that's where Septima yeah. was supposed to go. <laughs> so we have that kindred spiritness but $19 there. is $19. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> um, and then I went to Dartmouth College for my Master's of Arts in Liberal Studies. And it was really there that I <clears throat> started to think about getting a Ph.D., um, let me let me just back up. When I was at Fisk, I got what my parent, what my mom was pouring into me as well because, you know, they never talked to me about getting a job. Mm-hmm. You know, um, they just said, "Do whatever you like. What what are you interested in? You you could do that. You could do that." And so um, now, of course, you have to have a plan for subsistence. I'm a you know I'm an anthropologist. You have to be able to take care of yourself. But ultimately, it wasn't. They weren't teaching us to be go out and have that Henry Ford model of, you know, uh, you know, working eight hours right. a day. So, so it was there that I really got inspired to just really follow my passion. And at Dartmouth, I had that interdisciplinary, um, you know, um, experience. And by the time I left there, I figured I would get a PhD and, um, I didn't know what. So uh, I took some time off and then got my PhD in cultural anthropology from University of Illinois at Chicago. So um, 
have been a museums person uh, at the Field Museum, the Museum of Science and Industry, taught and got tenure and, you know, two-year college, College of Charleston, and got my, I really feel like I cut my teeth in becoming who I am at the Avery Research Center for African-American History and Culture at the College of Charleston. If you're donating people, donate to both Pure Theater and also the Avery Research Center. <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, it was there that I really, I, I feel like, you know, I kind of came into my own as a, as a, I don't even know what I am <laughs> because I'm not even doing that work anymore. I'm a, um, I'm a you know, a, a sort of a high level administrator at Morgan State University in academic affairs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. All right, so I'm going to ask you about Septima because that's why you're sitting here, and I'm so glad you're home. Um, I want to know, and this may be difficult, what is it you've learned through the process of writing and then seeing it mounted, being a part of the audiences, go, hearing the questions from the audience and all that. What is the, the thing that you'll walk away with for your next mm -hmm. project? Well, well, first of all, I have to say that Sharon um, Gracie is amazing because when I was writing it, you know, in my mind, I'm like, oh, I've read so much so many plays I've been to, you know, I went to see Dreamgirls when I was in high school. Oh, I got this. I got right? this. And my son is an actor. I know how to do this. My son is an actor. I got this. And so, of course, that is not the case. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it was a great process to, like, get all the ideas on paper, get the copious and um, instructive, and I would say gentle um, uh, feedback that uh, both Joy and Sharon gave me. Um, but what I really realized is that it, there has to be this um, close working relationship with the director um, to really, for me, as someone who is a novice to this, to understand um, what are, what the different techniques look like when they're written. Of course, in my mind, you know, I'm putting stuff in parenthetical um, notes like... Um, but, you know, techniques that Sharon and you guys know, because y'all are theater folks. Um, and then there were places where I thought, okay, I know that Septima's going to say this, this this way in my mind. Right. And then when they didn't in the, like, the, in tech week, I was like, oh, wow, that's not how I saw it. But then I was like, oh, my God, this is how she should say it. And so um, I've, I've just learned a whole bunch Um I tell my students, my writing students, that, you know, the, the best writers are writers who revise, revise, revise. And they're like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> we don't want to revise anymore. <laughs> and it is hard. Revisions are hard because you think, oh, my God, this is it. I gave birth to it. Ta-da. Don't you love it? And it's like, I love parts of it. Now you need to rework that. So you, um, you meaning me, um, I try to be self-reflective in terms of not thinking I know everything all the time. So I'm always open to um, criticism. You know, I might sting a little bit. But, <laughs> <laughs> but ultimately, you know, I'm a growth mindset person. So I took all of, um, 
you know, the feedback. And I think I remember telling you, oh, Joy, um, I think this needs to go back. And Joy was like, mm, I'm staying out of it. You better call, <laughs> you call better the call, director. Call the director. <laughs> and so then I did. And we just had a great conversation. And she said, well, what about this? And I said this. And then we did this. And then it came together. And then um, I, I sent, sent you a text, remember? I was like, Joy, I spoke my truth. And but ultimately, and Sharon was so great, and it was important for me to speak my truth, and she heard me, and this is the best experience, and for me, it has been the best experience. Mm -hmm. Even when I may have been stung a little bit, it was still, I would rather have been stung by Sharon and this experience than to not have had that experience, this experience at all. So I learned a lot. Oh, that's good. That's good. Uh, yeah, we were talking about this once before, you and I did an interview after one of the shows last week. And um, the big difference, you know, as a writer, you spend so much time alone. Mm -hmm. And in the theater, it's so collaborative. Everybody's in it. Mm -hmm. the, des the design team is in it. Oh, this won't work. Mm -hmm. This won't work. What was she thinking in terms of this? Mm -hmm. It's like, ah, yeah, I didn't think about that. That it's so different to um, have your words moved around or taken out. You know, and I'm the queen of cut. I'm like, Sharon, this needs to be cut, 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 cut. Yeah. And she's like, well, I mean, some of it's got to stay. <laughs> right, right. And I see, like, I it. didn't even know that that was part of the process. Oh, and yeah. then Sharon said, you know, if we had longer time, we would have, you know, we would have had more readings and we would have been going back and forth. But because we just did not have the time. Right. Um, so this is like not the typical no. way it would go. So. I feel like I did okay You're under those good. circumstances. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of it is just knowing what's going to work. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And until you get it up there, there are things that I think stand up comics do this the most. They just throw it out there, see if it works. Mm -hmm. And I think finding out what works and doesn't work, you don't find that out till you get on stage. Mm -hmm. right. And I think as a writer, it's like you're trying to create it in space. But you still have to see it, mm -hmm. and and that's the real gift of it. A writer, like a playwright, that can then be part of the process, and they go, "Oh, they didn't say it this way, but that's better." Oh, they didn't say it this way. How about say it that way? Mm -hmm. Right. You know, which is the other right. way to mm -hmm. kind of go. Right. And that was the 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 big miss, I think, in this experience was not being able to, because everybody's lives are so chaotic, not being able to have you here as long, mm -hmm. like before tech, right? So that you could have been rewriting pages or saying, you know what. I, uh, I see. And sometimes, Rodney, with what you said, we don't know what's going to work until uh, an audience is there. Absolutely. What lands, what doesn't land, so that the process continues during previews. Mm -hmm. We don't have the luxury of, you know, two week, three week previews like they do in New York um, <laughs> oftentimes. Uh, but um, we're still able to garner from response from you know, the changing mood of the audience, what works, what what might we clean up, what might we change. Mm -hmm. So in that vein, I'm thinking that Septima goes on. Septima continues a life. And in that continuation, do you and Sharon see possibility of changes? Are you leaving? Is it is now this the piece? Mm -mm. Okay. No, we Talk talked about, about that, that a little bit the other day about um some of the parts that were taken out that we think need to go back in and then there are areas that we need to tighten up but no it definitely needs um a, a little bit more love and um so Sharon and I will figure out how we can how we can you know carve out time to do that but yeah. I think that 
So when, when you do that, then what happens? So like if once we get it to where we want it, then what do you, do you mount it again? Oh, you mount it again at some other time? There are many different ways you go about it. I mean, there's, there's then the process, but that would be the hope. It's almost like another draft. Mm -hmm. Like you would then go to the next performance. You would then move it on. They do it a lot with like a Broadway show that is slated for Broadway. They know it's going to Broadway. They'll take it to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. They'll play it. They'll work it. So, and I think that probably the hardest thing for any artist is when is it done? Right. When, when, especially a story like this, right. that A, should be better known, and two, that it's just so broad and there's so many ways to enter it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's the hardest part of staying in the process, yeah. is staying yeah. in the fun part of that process yeah. of discovery. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would think you would have another production, mm-hmm. uh, maybe another tour, take it someplace else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yes. From your lips to God's ears. Yeah, yeah. Touring sounds oh, really, I think really it's, great. Yeah. Yeah. It's a powerful piece. I mean, it's been wonderful to watch the response, mm-hmm. hear the response of the audience, mm-hmm. what they've latched onto, what has moved them the most and not like in an interview setting, but hearing them in the lobby of, did you know that? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been a lot of that, a lot and of then that. even the kids today. So we had we had about sixty kids in the theater today watching it. Students, we'll call them students, <laughs> and same tomorrow. It's like we're talking about you. You kind of feel them zero in on this is something. I'm not going to say take for granted, but this is a lot of a lot of school age kids, mine in, in particular as well. Mm-hmm. Why I'm in school? Why do I have to do this? The fact that people died for this, people right. pushed for this, that that happened, and I think. I felt that. You feel that in the audience, especially when they were talking about her life. Like Mm -hmm. they kind of zeroed in on it. Yeah, yeah. I I heard that um, one of the uh, College of Charleston had a talk back night with you. And um, uh, I heard from one of the kids that their friend that was with them is also in the the teaching program, the education department, and wept. Mm. Wow. Wept through this story mm-hmm. that they just kept crying, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, I think that means it's a little bit effective. Yeah. yeah. Now yeah. you can only see it through streaming. Mm-hmm. But. <laughs> well, and the teachers. I think the teachers, the teachers, because this is like you think about it, all of us get our stories. This is a story for teachers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so yeah. as the teachers see it, I think it's like. Yeah, I think it's very cool that we are getting teachers in. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, I'd like them to come to all of the shows, but. Certainly a, a piece like Septima to watch and hear and learn mm-hmm. about this whole Charleston, South Carolina mm-hmm. and its education system, but also what she went through and how she went through it Absolutely. to become this incredibly powerful, mm-hmm. present woman mm-hmm. who her activism was education mm-hmm. and, and, um, and the fact lovely. that it took her. 14 years to get her her college degree, you know, that she was educating, you know, young people, then adult learners, um, you know, had to sort of sacrifice rearing her, her son. She had to sacrifice rearing her son to, um, to do that. And, but that she, you know, kept pushing little by little and, um, you know, got her bachelor's degree and then ultimately a master's degree. But that it meant that much, that it meant so much to her. So education, but then also making sure that 
um, Southern blacks and, and, you know, all Americans had the right to vote. I mean, those are oh two, gosh, yeah. two, are, those are like the, the bedrocks of, you know, um, of our democracy. Mm-hmm. I think if you mm-hmm. can't get an education and you can't vote, then whoa. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there's just, uh, there's so much depth and so much personality to the piece in terms of all the information that we're getting, um, that you just, you're kind of, because we get so cynical, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But you're kind of astounded, you know, that this one person who just would not give up mm-hmm. and how she brought along. And I love, as a teacher or as a former teacher, what I, lo- I loved her once interaction. A te- once a teacher. I was about to say, are you, are you ever a form- you're never a former teacher. <laughs> as formerly paid as a teacher. <laughs> um, recognizing the beauty of meeting students where they are and bringing them to where you need them to be mm-hmm. to maximize the experience for everybody in the room. Right. And she does that in such a spectacularly loving way. Yes. You know, walking around James and John's Island. Right. <laughs> Getting to know the people. Getting and to know the people. Making up st- uh, stories based upon, you know, the the anim- the farm animals and the, you know, uh, the, well, the other animals that you see on John's Island and the flowers and mm. having them to make up stories. Yeah, absolutely. And making it relevant to them. Making it relevant to them. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Them finding a way in, to access their own education. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in so doing, teaching them that they were valuable. Absolutely. That, absolutely. That regardless of how society was treating or looking at you, you come with an inherent mm-hmm. value. Mm-hmm. And I think if that's missing in the classroom, that's missing in the classroom. Yeah, that's yeah. missing in the classroom. She does such a, a a gorgeous job of that. Yeah, and hearing about you know the housing that she had to live in. Yes, and what Lord. that was like. Ooh, oh, Lord, please, I'm please. Well, mm-hmm. well, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> no. could, could, we couldn't have done it, right? No, no. Uh 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 uh. No, somebody had mentioned um, uh, at the talk back or one of the talk backs um, that. Um, uh, Dr. Millicent Brown's father, whose name I'm like I'm 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 missing right now, but he had been one of the uh, had been the president of the NAACP, I think the, the, at the state level and Charleston, and that um, he had said at some point that you know he had some regrets about their fight around you know to integrate the schools and then someone said well what do you think that Septima Clark would say and so I I I definitely would not think that she would think that integration was a bad idea but I I think that she would say that that she would probably feel some sort of ennui and sadness that you know that there was such a fight around making sure that you know black children and black adults got a good education and also the right to vote and now there's such an attack on both of those you know how american education has continued to go down in some ways and teachers are not supported and then of course you know the far right's attack on you know voting on voting rights so and education. And education. So, yeah, I think she would feel sadness around mm. that. Like Absolutely. we do. <laughs> well, yeah. And the lack of love, mm-hmm. I think, in all of it. Because mm-hmm. it's like she does, they bring that up. Yeah. yeah. In the play, yeah. you have them talking about their activism 
was fueled by love, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And if you didn't have love, you really can't be an activist. Right, right, right. right. If there's a, a, if love is not driving you, the work is way too hard. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And you exhaust mm -hmm. way too easily. Absolutely, yeah. And I mean, I think in many ways too, having that kind of love, I like to think of myself um, as an artivist, Having that kind of love is exhausting. Oh, an artivist. I like that. Okay. <laughs> oh, I have to borrow that. Doctor. You heard it artivist. here first. <laughs> I heard that. I did. Artivist. Um, my artivism uh, uh, is there is a, if there is not love guiding it, mm -hmm. the exhaustion comes much too early mm -hmm. and then you give up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then you give up. And even those who love like Septima and we have Rosa Parks and uh, Miles Horton, Miles Horton, how tiring mm -hmm. that got to be, but they never stopped moving it forward mm -hmm. because they kept their eye on the prize. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They certainly did for sure. Eyes on the prize. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's a very part of the theme as well of the conversation we're having too, is the difference between education as something that you put into somebody versus something that you draw out. Right. And I think that, you know, it's so inherent in the work mm -hmm. and it's so inherent in her life that she was very interested in bringing out, mm -hmm. um, fascinating kind right. of Right. And honing. Yeah. Right. I'm just yeah. not going to bring it out. That's let it true. Just, that's not the, it doesn't end here. Mm-hmm. But I can match what I have, my skill set, mm -hmm. to teach with what you have as a human being, mm -hmm. your own agency to both interact, absorb, and also teach. Mm -hmm. But you have to be available for the teaching on both ends. Absolutely. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And when you're teaching to a test, it makes it much more, more difficult. Yes. But I think still possible. Mm. I think... Um, still possible it's just it's it's just hard mm -hmm. but i love teachers i love you all Sit. well not all of you there's one teacher no I'm oh. <laughs> there are a few <laughs> that don't bring the love <laughs> they brought the test makes you and yet we love persevere. Yeah. Yeah. yeah nevertheless we persist that's yeah. right <laughs> we persist indeed indeed uh, well beyond moving forward with um with the play is there anything else that's next and it doesn't have to be playwriting. I mean, what what do you? What's the next big project for you? Well, I have a book yeah. that will hit the shelves in the fall. It's um, slavery and the African American story. Mm -hmm. and the cover is, is gorgeous. Yes, it's a middle school book. Um, it's coming out through Penguin subsidi subsidiary Knopf Books for Young Readers, um, and I'm super excited. I wrote it during the pandemic, and it is. Um, hopefully, there will be a, a, a second part to it because it goes from 1619 to 1850, wow. um, a little bit before 1619, actually. Um, and um, so, yeah, so hopefully we will have the part two, but it's, I think that it is a lovely, um, honest, a lot of, a lot of facts and information that we didn't get as, you know, graduate students, you know, mm. studying African-American history and culture. Um, there's etymology, you know, um, I had, I had a lot of fun with it. So, um, it goes from there on and then there's a, you know, a flash forward and, um, you know, there, it ends with some genetics and, um, I, uh, reference the work of my first PhD student, her work on, um, genetics and, the Gullah people. And so it's very exciting. That sounds fascinating. Mm -hmm. 
Wait, is it a novel? No, no, no. It's a, it's going to be a middle school, a middle um, school like book book. Primer. Huh? Ooh, yeah, primer. Yes, 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 yes. Yes, and it's a part of the Race to the Truth series. Yes. Yeah. Oh, nice, mm-hmm. nice, very nice. Well, definitely, when it comes well, out, when we will have you back. We can talk about that as well. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you it's for been, having me. It's been a treat having you around and learning so much and being a part of the process. We just need to get me to be a fellow here and then I can come back, (laughs) me and my husband. Yes. Thank you, Rodney. Thank you, Joy. Patricia Williams Dockery and my co-host there, Joy Vandervoort Cobb. Thanks so much for joining us this week and join us again next week. Be sure to like, subscribe, or whatever you do these days. And until next time, Keep it pure.